uh, a well-known comedian uh, talks, and I'll, I'll leave his name unmentioned. He's not seen in a favorable light these days, but he, he always starts out saying, um, I started out as a child, and I grew up in the streets of Philadelphia. And so, so I kind of want to start with that theme. I started out as a child, and I grew up here in Lynn County. I grew up on the farm, and I learned what it was to, to work on the farm, to build the fences, and to, uh, you know, feed the cows, milk the cows. I even had a goat that I, I milked. Um, we fed pigs for a short time, had pigs for a while, and I raised a bunch of chickens. Uh, grew up on the farm, and it was good. It was a, a good life, and, and uh, my family worked diligently to love and bless me. My, my mother worked diligently to institute the Word of God into my life and my brother's lives and uh, teach, us, teach us the Bible. This right here, we'll call this Exhibit. There we go. Thank you. Exhibit A. <laughs> this is the um, plaque that I got for perfect attendance at Bible school in the church there that we went to in the community. Uh, I think I was seven years old. And so that was quite a while ago. And so just, just a testimony of what my mother tried to, to do in our lives. And uh, this, this thing's bothering me right here. I can't see over here very well. <laughs> uh, so this, this is what, this is the work that mother did in, in like I said, to, to to bring us to Christ and to, to point to the Lord. And uh, it was a good thing. And, and I love my mother so much, uh, she really invested herself, uh, which, is, which is good. Uh, so that was a real strong influence in my life. Uh, on the farm was uh, my uncle's mechanic shop at the, the edge of the farm there. And there's nothing wrong with... Uh, with the mechanic shop, such as, as it is. Um, Brother Duane, can you put exhibit B up for us here? Um, there we go. Uh, the, uh, the mechanic shop was good, and, and I learned a lot. My brother and I learned a lot about mechanic. And what, what was just, what we loved was going to the drags with my uncle. And uh, so that is... Um, that was another pretty strong influence in my life. Okay, thank you, Duane. Uh, so, you know, I, I had this, this the, the influence of my mother. I love my mother, I, and I, I pay attention to what she believed, and her behavior, and, and the Christian hymns. I still remember, I hear hymns today. Colleen will play a hymn, and I'll say, oh, man, my mom used to sing that song. And, and I, just, I just love her. But there's also the influence of the shop, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't that the shop was bad, but you know when you when you have an atmosphere like that, sometimes you get fellas that that are um, not right in line with my mother's thinking. So there was a pull in in different ways there. As as my life continued, and as I grew up, my life became a picture of who or what I had I had given my heart to. At that time, I, it just followed, and that's the way it worked. You know, 
This is Palm Sunday. This is the Sunday when we celebrate what we call the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, humbly riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And uh, that, that was what Christ needed to do. He did that. It was perfect. Christ is perfect. He, he came and he died for our sins. As a child, you know, I heard, heard stuff like we need to try to be like Jesus. And it was, it was really a struggle for me to want to be a humble servant when my buddies were drag racing and having fun. You know, it was, I, I had this pull. And so, it, like I said, it was, uh, it was a battle that I went through. Uh, but by the grace of God, and I thank God that in 1977, one of the young people from the church I attended invited me to these meetings in Portland which was uh, Bill Gothard's Institute in Basic Youth Conflicts. And, and there I learned, I learned the truths of God word, God's Word, and, and I, I, I come to know God's Word better. That was, that was such an encouragement to me. And, and I learned that, that uh, my relationship with God, with God was not all about what I did and about me becoming a humble servant, but it was about what Jesus had already done. That, that Jesus was God in the flesh. He came to earth for the express purpose of dying on my behalf. Because as, as a sinner, by nature, it's my nature, I deserved hell. Jesus died on my, my behalf. He, he paid the price for me. And, and I could trust him to give me eternal life. He paid the price as, as I trusted in what he did. He would give me eternal life. And that's what the scripture says, that by, by grace, by God's grace are we saved through faith. And that not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Yeah, God wanted me to do good works, but first he wanted me to trust him. He wanted me to give, wanted me to give my heart to him. And then as I did that, he worked in my heart that I wanted to do good works. And that's exactly how it worked in my life. As, as, I, as I concluded, I, I grabbed hold of the scripture. The apostle Paul said, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised us from the dead, we'll be saved. And as, as I did that, and as, I, as I, I trusted God that he saved me, he started to change my heart and, and started to change my desires. And that's what we've talked about, and, and, and I just love past, talking with Pastor Winston about those very things. God changed my desires. He did. Not, not that I was instantly different all of a sudden, but he began to change my desires. And I wanted to go to church. I wanted to read God's word. I wanted to pray. I wanted to draw close. And so these were the things that he was doing in my heart, and I was so thankful. The... the fact of the matter is that what, what I want to talk about, what we're talking about this morning, is wise choices. And each one of us faces things in our lives that are above us, ultimately death. We'll have to face these things. We need a strong, disciplined faith that will carry us through, that, that will get us through that, that, that we can that we can face these things without tremendous fear. So in order to have 
a strong abiding faith, uh, we need to make disciplined choices. Salvation, our relationship with God, is free for the asking. It's repentance and faith. As, as we have genuine repentance, we put our faith and trust in the Lord, and he saves us. That's free for the asking. But a, a faith that will carry us through, a faith that will give us the strength to face the things that you and I, you and I know we face in life, we need to make wise choices. Thank you, Brother Marlin, for reading that passage, a kind of a lengthy passage, talked about Rehoboam. Our, our lives are often a result of our choices. That's what we're going to talk about here for a few minutes, Rehoboam's choices, the choices that Rehoboam made. First of all, Rehoboam, he chose to follow his heart. He chose to follow his heart. Rehoboam, Rehoboam was being subjective and not objective. Rehoboam's attitude toward being the king, which he had become since Solomon had died, um, was about what the, being the king could do for him. Now this passage does say, and I'm, I'm quick to point out, that this was a turn of events from God because Solomon, it was a judgment on Solomon because Solomon had disobeyed God. Solomon, in his final years, had turned away from God. So God allowed this to happen. This is something that, that God did not, did not make happen. What God did was he allowed Rehoboam to follow the inclinations of, his, of Rehoboam's own heart, which was sin, and, and basically going his own way. And that's a perfect description of sin, as Isaiah points out in the book of Isaiah. All we like sheep have gone, gone astray. We have each turned to our own way. And so that's, that's what happened here. Rehoboam went his own way. He followed his heart. He did what he wanted to do. And, and, and uh, Marlon read it. it uh, 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 it's, it's just so telling. Uh, 1 Kings 12, 6 says, King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who served his father, Solomon, while he was still living, saying, How do you... How do you counsel me to answer these people? That's what he said. He didn't identify with him. He said, how do you counsel me? And then on down here in verse 8 it says, but he forsook the counsel of the elders which they uh, had given him and consulted with the young men who grew up with him and served him. So he said to them, what counsel do you give that we may answer this people. What counsel do you give that we may answer this people? And, and what Rehoboam was saying was, come on, guys, what are we going to do? He, he was about being the king, and, and, and he was feeling good about that, and he was with his buddies. Come on, buddies, what are we going to do? Rehoboam had already given his heart to what he was going to do. Rehoboam followed the inclination of his heart. You know, Rehoboam's father was Solomon, who did pen a lot of a lot of wisdom, a lot of biblical wisdom. And uh, Solomon wrote this He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who works wisely will walks wisely will be delivered. And you see, that's the truth of the matter. Uh, I'm not 
if, if you are, are wound up in trusting the Lord Jesus and loving the Lord Jesus and giving your heart to the Lord Jesus, following your heart may not be a mistake as long as it's in line with his word. But as a, as a just a, a normal person who's not trusting the Lord, uh, to follow your heart is a fool. But, but what, what do we hear today? And what is the counsel of our day? Follow your heart. I hear that all the time. And I've heard that for years. Follow your heart. Oh, just follow your heart. Well, I don't know. First thing, Rehoboam chose to follow his heart. Secondly, he chose inexperienced counsel. Uh, a fool only receives counsel he wants to hear. Children, because uh, they're young and not wise, want counsel from their peers. Counsel from parents seems too mean, harsh, and not fun. Once again, Solomon, Rehoboam's father, said, A gray head is a crown of glory. It is found in the ways of righteous. Or or, uh, an easier-to-read version, white hair is a crown of glory and is seen most among the godly. So, Solomon speaks of uh, the wisdom of experience, uh, which which I believe, I think think it was uh, Einstein or somebody said that what what we know, the knowledge we have, is from experience. Uh, a fool does not receive counsel that is painful. And, and that's, why, that's why a fool will not receive the word of God, because he doesn't want to hear the conviction of the heart. The writer of the Hebrews said, The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And that's what, that's what the person who's a fool don't want. He don't not only want to hear what's wrong with him, he don't want to hear his motives, how his motives are bad. And with that said, um, it, it is alarming when we hear of public officials, and I've heard of these public officials and those in leadership that surround themselves with yes men. And you know that happens, and we see it happen. And, and, and that is such an arrogant position, because what, what this person is saying is, is I have the answers. I'm not looking for anybody to, to uh, give me any other point of view. This is what I'm going to do, and I just want men around me that are going to say, yes, yes, yes. What a tragedy. Rehoboam chose to follow his heart. He chose inexperienced counsel. He chose self-exaltation, not humility. Being king, king evidently met a need within Rehoboam, to um, feel important or impressive, so he thought he would use his new position to serve himself. Once again, Rehoboam would have been wise to listen to his father. Solomon wrote, Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. And he also wrote, Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Jesus said, words of Jesus, For everyone who... who humbles himself, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So, with these things in mind, let me move right along here and say, uh, ask the question, uh, so what do I need to, to make, what do I, so what choices do I need to make to develop a strong, abiding faith? What choices in my life do I need to make on a regular basis to develop a strong and abiding faith? First of all, choose God. Choose God. 
choose to go God's way, whether it is the first time we come to Christ and ask Him to save us, or whether it, it is what we need to do daily. And we need to do that daily. I need to do that daily. Um, Holly, Holly Renee here and I joke about, because she, she knows a Bible speaker that, that um, has made the statement, um, sin makes you stupid. Sin makes you stupid. And, and it, it bears... Anyway, I talked with the pastor about this, and, and he said, well, it's, it's true in that as a non-believer, as non-believers and, and even as Christians, unless we we're, have our heart wrapped up in the Lord... We do stuff that just isn't wise. It makes you stupid. So, um, what uh, what I'm thinking here is that sometimes, and and God puts us in a place, and He put me in a place where there was only one realistic and obvious choice, and that was to do the right thing. There was other choices, but that would have been major problem. And, and when uh, what I'm thinking of is the two criminals on the cross with Jesus Christ. The one says to Jesus, he says, since you're the Messiah, save us. Save yourself and save us. Was what he, he, he was, the scripture says, hurling insults at Jesus. And that's what he said, save us. But the other one, much more wisely says, don't you even fear God? This man has done nothing wrong. He, we're, he's in the same con- condemnation that we are, but he hasn't done anything wrong. And he was saying to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He, he made the right decision. Thank God he made the right decision at that time. The first criminal, what happened to the first criminal is he had made a life out of making the wrong choices. So when it came down to this point, when he needed to make the right choice, he made the wrong choice. It's what he had been doing his whole life. God brings us to a point of decision, and we need to make a life out of saying yes. Yes, Lord, yes. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes. We need to, to make a life out of that. You know, um, whenever... Um, George W. Bush was in office. He spoke of governing a society with civility, compassion, character, and courage. And that, that sounds real good, and, and uh, we, that's what we want to hear. But the Christian should have those things with consistency. Consistency, making a life out of it. Let me read... Um, some consistency here. A missionary tells about having, about being led by a friend up a narrow stairway to a tiny fourth floor flat in a crowded Hong Kong apartment complex to meet a couple recently escaped from the People's Republic of China. He couldn't help but notice how these aging people kept uh, touching each other and stealing affectionate glances at one another. When he later remarked to his host uh, that they acted like newlyweds, his host replied, they are. Then he told the story of how on the night of their wedding rehearsal in the seminary chapel where he was a student, the police barged in and arrested him for preaching. 
after a year at hard labor, they allowed his fiance um, to visit him for 15 minutes. Then they offered to release him if he would promise to never preach again. He refused. His captors reenacted that scene annually for 35 years. And I. Can you stop in the middle of that? Yes, I can. Uh, Sue is feeling a little bit faint and called 911, and they're here to, to check her out. So I was wondering okay. about having a little prayer. For yeah, her. let's let's um, let's have a word of prayer. Father, um, we we pause right now, Lord, uh, and Lord, with you uh, working in our hearts and the things we're thinking about, uh, we want to pause because we love our sister Sue, and uh, we're concerned about her. Her her health is not what what we had hoped at this time. So, Lord, we pause at this time and pray for your blessing. We pray for your encouragement. We pray for health for Sue. Uh, We're thankful that the medical people have arrived. And Lord, we pray that uh, they would be able to uh, work with her and get her to a place where where she'd be feeling much better. And so, Lord, uh, we pause at this time and we commit this into your hands and we ask for your blessing. And uh, Lord, we're thankful for the things that you're doing in our hearts and lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Brother, Brother Dwayne. That, that's important. Um, okay, so let me kind of pick up here. It says, then he, then he told the story of how on the night of their wedding rehearsal in the, in the seminary chapel where he was a student, the police barged in and arrested him for preaching. After a year at hard labor, they allowed his fiance to visit him for 15 minutes. Then they offered to release him if he would promise to never preach again. He refused. His captors reenacted that scene annually for 35 years. His fiance never failed to show up for her annual visit, and he never renounced Christ. Stooped and with health broken, they finally released him The two were married by a pastor of an underground church, and with the help of friends, they made their escape. Now, that is commitment. That is consistently doing the right thing. Those people you can count on, you can trust. You can trust with anything because they made a life out of doing the right thing. Praise God for that. So first, the first thing we talk about, we're talking about here is to choose God, to choose God, uh, to choose to go God's way. Secondly, choose godly counsel. Uh, Great biblical truth. Let me read from um, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3, verse 13 says, How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For... Her profit is better than the profit of silver, and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. 
that, that is, is something that I've tried to grab hold of. That verse right there. Wisdom, God's wisdom. Nothing that you desire is equal. Gold, silver, anything. And so, so I have tried to uh, purposely work at gaining wisdom. Get, getting wisdom. And, you know, th- there's ways that, that we do that. I thank God for the, the Bible training that, I've, that I had. At the Bible college that I went to, there were men that read through the Bible every three months. One of them read through the Bible every month. Now, that's, that's taking in a bunch of wisdom. But there's other ways to get wisdom. Uh, we learn from others around us. I, I try to read um, godly men, the, uh, godly authors. Uh, read the Bible regularly. Um, read, um, uh, read good teaching. Uh, Christian radio. I, I often ris- listen to um, Robbie Zacharias on, on the way to work. Uh, hang around the pastor. I like hanging around Pastor Winston because <laughs> he's got a bunch of wisdom. And um, I got a lot of questions. Um, another thing is, um, you know, in our Sunday school class, the men in there have all spoke to me. They, they have wisdom that, that helps me. Um, Solomon wrote, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be, destro- shall be destroyed. You know, uh, wisdom, gleaning wisdom. And we try to do this. Um, we, we want solid counsel. Solomon wrote, He that walketh with wise men. We want good counsel, and we should always seek good counsel. Uh, as the conflict between the states became inevitable, those cabinet members who advised President Lincoln approached him and said, uh, Mr. President, the best man to lead this military campaign would be Robert E. Lee. Of course, we're talking about the Civil War some 150-some years ago. The best man for this campaign, President, President Lincoln's uh, cabinet member said to him, would be General Robert E. Lee. General Robert E. Lee, amazing man. And he, he was uh, an amazing strategist, amazingly wise, amazingly intelligent in in military. Uh, Realistically, Robert E. Lee took an inferior army, the Southern Army, and was doing a job on the Northern Army. And as a matter of fact, truth be known that until that July 3rd, 1863 day at Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, until that point, a Southern victory was not out of the question. It was not something that uh, was, would, would have been impossible. point I'm making is that our, our, the president at that time wanted the absolute best counsel he could get. You and I are in a spiritual battle, and we need to surround ourselves with wise counselors and uh, get around wise counselors. We need, we need to choose God. We need to choose godly counsel. And finally, we need to choose to submit to God. Choose to submit to God. 
uh, Peter wrote that God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. And so he goes on to say, humble, the, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Um, and that's what we do. We cast all our care on the Lord. We humble ourselves and accept those things that he brings into our lives, and we cast our care on him. Whenever the Israelites were coming into the promised land, God did not allow them to invade the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Edomites. God did not allow them to do that. Sometime later, the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Edomites joined together, and they came together as one mass against Jerusalem. And uh, King Jehoshaphat uh, went to God, and, and that's what saved him. He went to God, and God made it happen. Jehoshaphat pours, this out, pours his heart out toward God, and then he says this, O our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who is coming up against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Lord, we're powerless, and we don't even know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And there was a great victory, and God gave them a great victory. And that that prayer has been a prayer that I have adopted and used over and over because I've had to say, Lord, where you have me is above me. I'm in over my head. I can't, I'm overwhelmed. I can't do this thing. And, and I don't even know what to do. God, my eyes are on you. I'm trusting you. And I've, I've said that over and over. And God has been there. God has brought me through it. And God has blessed. And, 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 and I've seen God do stuff in my life that um, just amazed me. And, and probably, probably <laughs> I, one of the beginning times that I used this prayer, um, the year was, was 1980, which makes me probably an old-timer to some of you guys. <laughs> but 1980, I was finishing the Bible course in Virginia that I, that I had uh, done. And I was just about to finish it, and uh, I spent some significant time in prayer, and I says, now, Lord, I don't know what to do. I, I wanted to serve the Lord. I did. But just going back to Oregon... Uh, from Virginia sounded very appealing to me. But I remember getting up at nights and praying about it on occasion and saying, Lord, what, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do? I want, I want to do what God wants me to do. Well, uh, within a few days, uh, a friend that I went to college, Bible college with, he approached me and he said, um, my pastor is coming down from the Pittsburgh area in Virginia or in Pennsylvania and he's, he's, he wants an assistant, and he wants to interview a few guys and talk about someone that might be able to work for him. He said, are you interested? I said, tell him I'll talk to him. So I did, and he had me come up, uh, and I was going to be there Saturday night and leave Monday. And um, it was major overwhelming 
because this is, this is what he told me. He said, that we're going to have a youth rally on Saturday night. You need to bring a devotion. Uh, Sunday in the morning, um, there's a Sunday school opening. You need to have a devotion for that. Um, you need to teach Sunday school. You need to preach the AM service. In the afternoon, you're going to meet with the leadership of the church. Um, and then you need to preach the PM service. And then you need to um, talk with the youth afterward and have a devotion for them. And, uh, you know, it was just of God. But I said, okay. Because at that point, all that was going through my mind was, I can't do it. There's no way. And I kept thinking stuff like, I'm not a seasoned minister. I'm a Bible student. You know, Lord, give me a break here. This is a little much, don't you think? So, consequently, I studied and studied and, and did what I needed to do and trusted God. And God was there. God was there. Those people loved me and accepted me. And, and I ended up doing ministry there for a couple of years. And it, and it was a, a gift of God. Uh, you know, if God hadn't been there, I couldn't have did that. Because I just thought, this is, this is way over my head. Choose God. Choose godly counsel. And choose to submit to God. Each one of you has times in your life, just like I described, when you want to say, no way, God. No way. I can't do this. But you can. You can. You can do it. Trust God. Trust God for what he brings you to. And um, you'll be glad that you did. I'm glad that I did. I'm glad for what I did that day. And, I, and I'm glad for the way God's worked in my heart. Would not have happened had not I seen him work that day. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I'm, I'm thankful. Thankful for what you've done in my life. Lord, I, I praise you for the opportunity to share these things. Lord, uh, thank you for the opportunity to share your word. Now, Lord, uh, if there's someone here today, you've spoken to their heart. Lord, I pray, uh, continue to work in their heart and life. Bring them, bring them to say yes to the decision that you set before them. Each one of us has decisions each day. God, I pray that you would help us to say yes, and to trust you, and to go forward, and to do, that, do what we will for, forever after be glad that we did. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if God has spoken to your heart this morning, you don't have to, to uh, come forward or answer to me, but, but do something about it. Do something about it. If God spoke to your heart, if there's a decision that you need to say yes to, say yes. You'll be glad that you did. Tell a friend, tell a loved one that you said get yes to God this morning, if that's in fact what God's speaking to your heart about. So, Father, I pray for each one that's here. Guide them, give them wisdom and courage to do what's best for them and most honoring to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.